Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Welcome into another edition of the Five Reasons Podcast. My name is Chris Whittingham, joined as always by Ethan Skolnick. Do subscribe to the program on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Podbean as well. That is our hosting app. Follow the show on Twitter at Five Reasons Sports. Follow the show on Instagram at Five Reasons Sports, and that is where you can check us out. But Ethan, we normally do these on a Sunday night. We were otherwise occupied, and so we do this on a Monday morning. Our post-Dolphin victory podcast now uh, in recent weeks these have kind of been pretty sad even when the Dolphins win they uh, unconvincingly beat the Bills or they unconvincingly uh, beat whichever team they've beaten or they've lost but this is a pure jubilation episode from a Dolphins fan point of view after that ridiculous touchdown that only had three laterals which are are actually two in the end Uh, the the ball was only in the hands of four different Dolphins which normally for a last play of the game that goes the length of of the field requires more than that, but you have to say the Patriots defended it in a pretty appalling fashion, but uh, this is an epic victory for the Miami Dolphins. You would have to say, I I saw Adam Beasley uh, make this argument on Twitter, that uh, a lot of Dolphins fans are complaining that maybe they should have won against the Bengals, and maybe they should have won against the Colts. Well, the last two weeks that literally come down to the final play, whether it was the Bills dropping the touchdown to Charles Clay or this play, which is just the ultimate against-the-odds play, that this season has kind of evened out a little bit, hasn't it? Well, it's more than evened out, obviously. I mean, you know, again, we're, we're I'm not going to douse this one, Chris, I promise. But, but, but we, we are talking about a team that's 29th in the league in offense and defense. And so when you're 7-6... and six, Okay, you take it. Like I, I don't think we, I, I, I don't. You know, they're minus fifty-one in point differential. I don't think that we should sort of harp on what happened now in Cincy and Indy as much because, like you said, they got two, they gave two, um, and now in their they're in reasonable position to make a playoff run if they went out. Obviously, we're going to go through some of the ramifications of the next three weeks and what needs to happen and all the rest of that. And as we speak, we're taping this on a Monday morning, Minnesota place tonight. And that actually may impact their desperation next week against the dolphins because they're kind of caught mm-hmm. in it a little bit here uh, in the NFC. But I, I think, you know, look, we have to put this into context. Um, they beat the Patriots, no matter how they did it, that's significant. Um, they've done that here in December. If Tom Brady uh, didn't keep losing to the Dolphins in December, he'd be known as a pretty good quarterback. He just he, he loses here even if he plays, <laughs> even if he plays a near perfect first half, uh, he, he still loses here. And so crazy things have happened here. And look, there's a parallel because you know until recently, every time LeBron came down here to Miami, it doesn't it hasn't seemed to matter what Heat team has been out there. He's lost, and I I don't know why that happens. Um, but certain guys, you know, just struggled to win here. And obviously this was not Brady's fault, but strange circumstances have occurred. Um, I do think before we get into sort of what it means for the Dolphins and for the playoff picture, we should just put the play and the event into some context. And so let's break this down from when Marino retired, right? Yep. Because if you look and, and we had uh, Mark Clayton on the fish tank podcast last week, we've got Mark Duper on the fish tank podcast that 
post tomorrow. So like there's a lot of memories from those years. Okay. I mean, you could go hours with those guys, the 84 season alone. Okay. Is enough for most franchises, but you haven't had a lot of those since. And so I'm going to break it down from Marino's retirement in 99, 62, seven, and then starting in 2000, I've got five events, Chris, uh, that I think are significant that have happened. I wish there were more. Okay. I wish <laughs> there were more. All right. But the, these are the five that I came up with. So you tell me how you would rank them. We've got yesterday and beating the Patriots on that wacky play at the end. We've got the wildcat in new England with Ronnie Brown in 2008. We've got Jay Fiedler uh, crossing the goal line. We talked to him about that on the podcast after 9-11 to beat the Raiders at home. I think that one uh, that one certainly qualifies. We've got Greg Camarillo, who we've also had on our podcast, <laughs> preventing the 0-16 season with an overtime win against Baltimore after a ridiculous decision that uh, that Brian Billick made. And then we have, and I, I, was try- I had two others I was choosing between, but I'm, I'm going to put aside the win uh, in the Meadowlands uh, against Brett Favre to clinch the division. Great moment. I was there. Great locker room. Uh, But I'm going to go with a different one instead, which is the actual playoff victory, which was Lamar Smith in the year uh, 2000, which is the last playoff victory that the Dolphins have had. So how would you rank those five moments? Uh, it's a great question. I definitely put Greg Camarillo one just because it spared the blushes of this organization so much that uh, they're not the Lions. They're not the Browns that will forever have an 0-16 season link with them. And and we're talking about, again, sort of in the moment jubilation. Obviously, the Patriots game in, in New England with the Wildcat was just sort of like a, what the hell's going on here? Like, how is it possible that this Dolphins team is out-strategizing the greatest genius in the history of football and are making them look like complete morons? Um, and so I, I do think as, a, as an individual moment, I remember, you know what's funny about that season is that I had season tickets for that season, and that was the one game I didn't go to. Uh, so I saw seven Dolphins losses, and I watched uh, the, the, the eighth game at home. Uh, but, yeah, I would say Greg Camarillo, Greg Camarillo is probably one. Uh, I would probably put uh, – you, you mentioned sort of it on the periphery, but that 2008 win in New York, I remember a, a Ted Ginn punt return. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. the Dolphins are going to do this. They're going to win this division. Um, there's probably – was there a moment during the, the, the playoff season that most recently happened under Adam Gase of 2016? Was there I don't probably, think so. Was there one I, moment? I, I, it might have been like stopping the Giant, the, uh, the I'm yeah. sorry, the 49ers at the goal line in, in mm-hmm. a home game, but there wasn't really like one iconic moment. Uh, they, they won in New York, I think, that year as well. But again, those are just sort of uh, larger. Maybe Jay Ajayi is one of, the, one of his 200-yard games, but it, it's actually kind of incredible when you look at uh, what happens yesterday that the Dolphins have never had a walk-off touchdown before, which I was shocked by. Uh, that was according to Elias Sports, and the Dolphins sent that out as well. And that was also the longest walk-off, t- walk-off touchdown uh, in the NFL since the AFL-NFL merger in 1970. So it just sort of describes a unique situation where you're beating this team at home, albeit in front of a 50% Patriots fans. It was actually kind of funny watching the highlight that you don't really hear the roar that you should, and it's because there's mm-hmm. actually a lot of people in stunned silence that are within earshot of the touchdown. But, yeah, I think the specific way in which yesterday happened, I'd probably put that moment one 
and Greg Camarillo too. All right, so all right, we got we got to do this though because I'm throwing this on Twitter. So it's so and what are we calling it by the way? Because I, I've seen first thing. Uh, could everybody stop saying that, that Tom Brady struggles on South Beach? It is not South Beach. It is nowhere. <laughs> it is nowhere saw, near South Beach. I saw I saw I, the NFL Network tweeted yes. out uh, celebrations on South Beach will be amazing. And then they somebody, don't even know the Dolphins exist. And and then and, and then somebody put uh, and then somebody responded. Wait, are they celebrating in Miami Gardens or Carroll City? That's exactly right. That's <laughs> exactly, those are that's, those are the two uh, localities far closer to the stadium than South Beach, and, and maybe Miramar, but that that's about it. Okay, yeah. uh, there, it's not South Beach. All right, so you're putting because I'm I'm tallying this as we go. Yeah, because uh, uh, you know the, the best suggestions I heard was um, we had a a tweet into us shock at the rock, uh, which I kind of liked. Yeah, because um, it's it's and, a lot more better and original than uh, Miami Miracle. I will say though, one candidate to throw into the mix just because it involves a host in our network, uh, the mm-hmm. Dolphins, albeit in a fairly meaningless game in 2005, uh, beat the Buffalo Bills 24-23, and it actually involves another of our favorites. Uh, the, the The Dolphins were 21 nothing down after the first quarter. They were 23 to three down going into the fourth, and uh, a a trio of fourth quarter touchdowns, including including one with six seconds left to play from Sage Rosenfels to Chris Chambers yep, uh, allowed the Dolphins <laughs> to win that game 24-23. So uh, a 20-point fourth quarter comeback kind of has to be incorporated in there as well. No, no doubt. And there's another there's another Chambers moment, which we've talked about, which is uh, which is the Thanksgiving game yeah. in, in Dallas. All right, so let's go through. So we got the shock at the Rock first. We've yep. got catch. Uh, maybe we can extend this. Uh, a little bit further than five. We got shock at the rock first. We've got catch uh, Camarillo, our, our buddy uh, Greg Camarillo uh, prevents Owen oh, 16. You're going with with what next? Is it the Wildcat game, the Fiedler moment? Uh, in I go for wild. I, I go for Wildcat game next. Okay, so we're going yeah. for the Wildcat, the Wildcat game in New England. Yep. All right. And then, um, and then and probably then, the, and probably the Fiedler game, and then I'd throw the, the Dolphins. Lamar Smith. What about Lamar oh, Smith and point. the Yeah. Oh yeah, Lamar Smith's got to be in there. It was a walk off overtime win, so yeah, Lamar Smith's got to be. I'd say right, probably, right. So, probably so is that second at this point. Yeah, Lamar yeah, Smith's got to right, be second. All right, so we're so we're gonna we're gonna change that. We're going with Lamar Lamar's two hundred Lamar Smith's two hundred and nine yards. Right. Mm-hmm. This is this is how the sausage is. Two hundred nine yards and overtime walk off touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. All yeah, right, so that's got been, that's got right. it. Well, would you even put that first ahead of what happened yesterday? Eh, we're in the moment. Recency bias. <laughs> all right, we got. All right, so the shock at the rock. Lamar Smith. Yes. Yeah. Greg Camarillo prevents three zero oh, and sixteen third Wildcat game four. Jay Fiedler five. Yeah. Um, and then you also say I, I think I think maybe the uh, the the clinching the division. Yeah, uh, with, that, I think it was a Ted Ginn punt return or kickoff return that really yeah, got yeah, that I, done. I, I think I think it's beating beating Favre, um, yeah, you know to to win the to win the AFC East. That was because uh, yesterday actually, if the, if the Dolphins had lost, would have been a tenth straight division victory for the Patriots. So uh, it just sort of goes to show I mean, what a unique it's, achievement it's, it's that coming. was. It's right, coming. no, it's going to happen anyway. But I'm just saying <laughs> that like it just sort of goes to show that even if Tom Brady was hurt, like winning the division in any period during the last 17 years has been remarkable for this team. Oh, no doubt. All right, so here we go. Last time. Shock at the Rock, Lamar Smith's 209 yards and the OT touchdown. Greg Camarillo prevents 0-16. The Wildcat game, Jay Fiedler after 9-11 and beating Favre to win the AFC East. And then you were saying that uh, I, I would put the Thanksgiving game. I, mm-hmm. I think uh, Thanksgiving 2008. And then what was the other one? Sage was, to Chambers? Sage to Chambers for a 20-point uh, fourth quarter comeback against the Bills. All Albeit right, their quarterback the... on the day was J.P. Losman. So I don't know how impressive it was, but still... Fourth quarter comeback from three touchdowns down in the fourth quarter to win 24-23. Well done, Sage and Chambers. 
That's, see, there you go. We'll give credit to the guys who help the network. <laughs> Today's edition of the Five Reasons Sports Podcast is brought to you by AutoNation. Since AutoNation is America's largest automotive retailer, chances are they have the vehicle you're looking for. Shop from over 100,000 new cars, trucks, vans, and sport utilities. From the luxury of Mercedes-Benz to that Chevy pickup you've always wanted, they've got it. AutoNation helps finance over 430,000 people every year, and you could be next. Get a great rate today. AutoNation strives to make the car buying process quick and easy, but most of all, stress-free. In addition to an extensive selection, all pre-owned vehicles go through a rigorous 125-point inspection and come with an everyday no-haggle price. One price, no pressure, guaranteed. Start your search right now at AutoNation.com. It's, it's one of the best moments we've had here. And, you know, it was a completely crazy play, obviously. And the Patriots defended it terribly, but that doesn't seem to matter at this point. But the big thing I want to focus on here is the Dolphins were in position to have a shot at the game. And that's more than we expected. I mean, even our three yards per carry guys who are our most positive guys on the Dolphins, CK, I think, had them losing by 30 yesterday. Um, Simon had them losing by a couple touchdowns. Alfredo thought it would be close and they'd lose at the end. But not a lot of people gave him a chance to win that game, in part because you had no Xavier Howard. And so you knew that Brady was going to tear you apart. And also, we just don't trust the Dolphin offense at this stage. And I'm going to back off a little on a couple things because they scored in the first drive again. I mean, now they're making a habit of this. <laughs> and, and they did put up over 400 yards, although somehow, again, they slipped to 29th in total yardage. I'm not sure how that happened. But they put up offense consistently throughout the day they move the ball they involved a bunch of different people including kenny stills which is something yeah that we, we've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks that had to happen i heard i and heard they, uh, I, I was on with crowder yesterday doing pregame and he just he just said it bluntly complaining works like kenny stills dropped a little something in the press and next thing you know he has eight of ryan Tannehill's 14, 14 completions yesterday on nine targets like complaining works and well done to kenny stills because not only because he said it but now he's backed it up with consecutive weeks with a touchdown yesterday going 100, uh, over 135 yards in receiving yards. Which, by the way, how does, how does all of that get allocated? How, how does, so d- does Kenny Stills like, get receiving yards for that final play? Does Kenyon Drake get receiving yards for that? Because he has 55 receiving yards in the touchdown. That play in total was 69 yards. Like, so how, how do they divvy up the stats for that? I have no idea. Devontae Parker was asking on Twitter if he gets credit for passing yards on that play, which, by the way, doesn't, under, doesn't show an understanding of passing because because uh, a, a lateral does not include does is not included in passing stats, but but yeah, like for me, like what Kenny Stills has done the last two weeks has more than justified his position in the team, his contract, and why he was saying, I, I, "Throw me the ball, man! I'm really good." And and he's gone and 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 performed at a level that he should. I mean, a couple of things on that. One, I mean. <laughs> Is Devante going to work that into his next contract? <laughs> what is that? It's a very white sidian thing to do, right? Yes, like it that's is. what we call yes, it in it this is. market. So I, I'm not sure that's yeah, whatever. I mean, I guess you're having fun after a win like that. Um, but Kenny Stills, I, every time that they involve somebody, it begs the question why they haven't before. Right. Uh, that that that's been my issue with this season is. Like even like yesterday, like Kenyon Drake again, I mean, Gore ran the ball well, so it wasn't really necessary, but Drake did not get a ton of touches as a running back. It, it just appears Gase just does not view him that way. He views him as a change of pace guy, a guy to get out of the backfield on occasion. And then, you know, to, to win on crazy, crazy plays at the end, like he's not, <laughs> he's not a featured back for them. I thought he would be a featured back. And I thought, 
I well, I shouldn't say that. I thought that they would split carries because that's what Gase likes to do. Mm-hmm. But I but I did not think that if somebody was going to be getting the lion's share of the carries this year, it would be Frank Gore. But credit to Frank Gore, I'll tell you something. Would you look at what Dwayne did the other day for the Heat in his one thousandth game? Had twenty five points in a win, and which is the sixth highest scoring total for any player in their one thousandth game. Okay, sixth highest ever um, ahead of LeBron. LeBron had 19 points in his 1,000th game. He's been pretty good since, but like he's he had a, he had <laughs> 19 points. Uh, I watched Roberto Luongo live the other day, make a save, and he did give up four goals to the Rangers, but make a save that I was like, what the hell was that? I mean, one of the best saves I've ever seen live when I went to the Panther Ranger game. He's 39, Wade is 36, and Frank Gore at 35. Uh, you know, rushing for close to 100 and, and, yards. And, and I don't, I don't mean, I don't mean to demean the other two, but like you see, NBA players in their in, in their late 30s play pretty well. You see, hockey goaltenders play until they're 40, and NFL running back at age 35. I mean, it's just absolutely absurd. And not only is he playing well, but he's playing well in the sort of context of his career. He's having the best yards per carry season he's had since 2012. He's 35. Mm-hmm. Like in his 30s, he's having his best season. Now he still doesn't have a touchdown, but he's running the ball. Really how is well. That, how is that? Possible? I, I don't know. I don't know. I. I. I, mean, I it just. It just doesn't <laughs> make any that, sense. But. But he's possible? actually. He's actually creating big plays. He had gone uh, two years without having a rushing play of over thirty yards. He had another yesterday. Um. And I just. I. I think. I think the world of the guy. And one of the things that's kind of been missing from the Dolphins in the last ten to fifteen years is you watch guys where you're saying, "Oh, that's clearly that's an excellent player being excellent." Like watching Cameron Wake as a pass rusher is an example of that. But there have been precious few others like, okay, Brian and Marshall might have had a few good games or Mike Wallace might have had a few good games. But like one of the league's best players, one of the league's best ever players, living legends playing through Miami. And even at 35, Frank Gore showing, oh, I'm like he's showing why he's had this career in Miami at age 35. It's been incredible to watch. I just keep going back to a conversation I had with him when he was still in college and after he after he blew out the knee. And it's just. It's it's remarkable. It really is remarkable. And it, look, it was a great pickup by them. Um, no question about it. You know, I, I've been frustrated about the Drake thing all year. But when Gore is doing this in December, and now, you know, look, you're going to go on the road to Buffalo um, in a couple of weeks, and like you can trust him in that situation. And, and, and by the way, and, you're, and, you and your quarterback, your quarterback's ankle is probably not going to be okay for the rest of the year. If he like, mm-hmm. I'd be surprised if we find out today, Oh, Ryan Tannehill can't play for the rest of the season. He was, you know, hopped up on elephant tranquilizers yesterday and he, he played through on adrenaline, but he's not going to be able to give it a go. Like I would not be shocked at all. If we find, if we find out that Ryan Tannehill's a- ankle injury is really bad because it looked really bad in the moment. I thought, straight away that it was like season ender. I mean, a 300-pound man steps on your ankle. That should be the end of your mm-hmm. season. But um, you're right. I think if Frank Gore uh, sort of carries on playing the way that he is and, frankly, staying healthy, uh, which, again, for an older player uh, is pretty shocking that he hasn't even missed a game. He hasn't missed, you know, I, I, now he's played 16 games for the last, I think, seven straight years. But still, like, mm-hmm. you, you, you don't expect for that to happen. Uh, you can say that Frank Gore is a reliable piece of what makes your offense good. And I, I'm, I, I'm just as shocked as you are. I did not think that that's what this season was going to be. I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. And for this one about PC Reboot, I'm going to speak to personal experience because I started going to Barrington about six months ago because I'm terrible with computers. I get extremely frustrated with them and all of my different devices. I was looking for somebody. I just happened to stumble upon his great reviews online. So I went to check him out over in Pembroke Pines. He's over in East Pines on 8970 
Taft Street, and I had a great experience. And so I've been going back ever since. And the reason I had a great experience is not only does he know what he's doing, he's got over 20 years of experience fixing computers. He's a Microsoft certified technician, but he also fixes all types of other products. But he's honest. He told me what the problem was. He told me what it should really cost. And then again, this week, I had another issue because my battery is not working very well on my Dell computer. So I brought it to him. Any other technician basically would have taken the money out of my pocket, double charged me. And he's like, have you checked to see if this thing's under warranty? And I'm like, uh, no, I haven't. And so I went back, checked if the thing's under warranty. And now I'm getting a free battery sent to me. And that's because, again, he's honest. He's only going to fix what he thinks he needs to fix and nothing more. And he's going to charge you the right price for it. He does smartphone and tablet repair. He does game console repair. He does smart home and surveillance camera installation website design, all of that stuff. So check out his website. Here's what it is. It's ipcreboot.com. That's ipcreboot.com. Again, 8970 Taft Street in Pines. Phone number is 954-442-1002. And when you call Barrington, talk a little Miami sports with him. He's a big Miami sports fan. I don't know if they even thought it. I don't know if they even thought. How could how could you? I mean, yeah. how, how would you how would you believe you'd be at this stage of the season uh, with him playing like that? So anyway, it's a great moment. Um, and and I so we we should we're gonna pump it up as much as we can today. Uh, clearly, before I, you know, I bring you down with some negativity later in the podcast. <laughs> but like, but they look, they beat the Patriots at home. They did it on a crazy play. Yeah, and and, and, and I, for look, me, for me, the thing that's so impressive is that they went back and forth with them in the opening of the game. The Dolphins could not get stops, and I was thinking, well, you know, you don't want to get beat in the run game, and so you 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 almost allow Tom Brady to beat you because at least you're stopping Sony Michelle, which I agreed with. But it required the Dolphins' offense being able to summon a response when. In, in the first half, it looked like Chiefs-Rams, that neither of these teams are going to stop scoring. And the fact that the, that the Dolphins, when when you go out, when, when the Dolphins' offense goes out, you don't expect them to score. You, you don't expect them especially to, to generate quick touchdowns like they did on the on the two-play touchdown drive with a throw to Stills and then Brandon Bolden uh, out of nowhere get, you know, gets a 54-yard touchdown that you, you just didn't expect the Dolphins to be able to keep up with a Patriots offense firing like that. And they did. They kept up with them the whole game, which uh, f- credit to this Dolphins offense that at times has been putrid. Uh, they were right in there with that Patriots offense that from an from a passing standpoint was firing in all cylinders. Julian Edelman, double digit catch game. Rob Gronkowski had his best game of the season. Like that's what the Patriots passing offense looks like at its best. And you were able to go toe to toe with it. It was incredible. And the Patriots needed the game. That's the other thing. Yes. This is not a game they didn't need. Like some of these games they've come down here and they've lost, but they haven't really needed them. But now you look, the Patriots are in a bit of a mess. Um, they've got, because we've kind of under, you know, we sort of overlooked, uh, you know, the Texans all year. Now they're coming off a loss, but they're nine and four. And so they're right there with the Patriots. Now the Chargers actually have the second best record in the conference. This is why I don't like the whole division thing. They got the so second stupid. best record in the conference, but they're a game behind the chiefs. I mean, the chiefs potentially could have the season that they're having lose a game to the chargers here at the end. Cause they've got one more, right? They have one more against each other and basically drop to the five spot in the <laughs> AFC. <laughs> I mean, I mean that that's where this is headed. Potentially the team is the five seed is just so stupid. Like, I, I just why are we still doing divisions? Why? I don't know. Uh, well, just, I mean, we're we're gonna we're gonna talk heat tomorrow, Chris. I mean, the Heat are one game, they, one game or a half game out of they're, 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 first they're, place they're, they're a game and a half back of the Charlotte Hornets in the Southeast Division. Now, in the the difference is the NBA got rid of. So for the NBA, it makes even less sense to have divisions. See, Silver wanted to get rid of the divisions. Like I had him on a radio show, like. Four, 
three, four years ago. He wanted to get rid of divisions, but everybody was fighting him on it. So the compromise that the NBA came out with, we'll still do divisions. It just doesn't mean anything. Don't pay any attention. It's, it's just because for scheduling purposes. That's all it is, because you can win your division and not make the playoffs. In in the NBA, if if eight teams from the other two divisions make the playoffs and you win your division, you do not make the playoffs, Okay. The NFL still gives you great credit for winning divisions. And the problem with that is there are only four damn teams in the division. So if you're in a bad division, you can get in and get a top four seed at eight and eight, seven and nine, potentially. Okay. As the Seahawks. And now you have, as the Seahawks. And now you, right. And now you have the Chargers at 10 and three in there. They're, they're, them or the Chiefs is, is probably going to be a five seed with 12 maybe 13 wins um which, which is crazy absolutely which, which is, insane like cause, which, so actually that that, that chargers game is this thursday night Char- chargers at chiefs this thursday night uh for basically the afc west you'd have to think and then the chargers are home with the ravens and at the broncos so uh those are th- those are games that they can certainly win but yeah i mean the chargers are incredible the chiefs are incredible and yet uh the chargers still <laughs> might, might have to spend the whole playoffs on the road which by the way even if they did make the play even There's if they did win difference. the division they'd be on the road for the entire playoffs anyway because right. it's not like they're drawing home crowds now by they the live way, on the way like what does los angeles football have to do to get fans like the Rams, who who lost to Chicago last night, uh, the Rams are eleven and two, and the Chargers are ten and three. The actual football teams have been an unmitigated success. They're twenty one and five this year, but uh, still, you see a lot of uh, opposing teams' fans. Like what? Like you talk about South Beach not knowing that, that we had a football team. I feel like if our football team was ten and three, you might realize, oh, we got a football team. Like at, like L A might have to be ten and three for the next decade for anyone to realize that the Chargers are there. But I said that, though, because I lived out there for a period of time after the Rams and the Raiders lost. And at the time when not everybody had the ticket, you would get games from other markets and everybody in L.A. preferred that they not have a team because they would get all the other games. Okay, so I mean, you're going back to the 90s now, but like they just don't care about about the NFL there. It's a Laker. uh, It's a Laker town. It's a Dodger town. I mean, even the other teams, the Angels and the Clippers, you know, sort of struggle to break through. So I, it, it never made a ton of sense to put one team there and put all of your energy behind it. I get it. To put two teams there was was crazy. So anyway, let's move on to the next part of this, which is before we get into the scheduling and can they make the playoffs and all the rest of that. Let's just touch on Ryan Tannehill here a little bit because yep. you know a few, couple of weeks ago we were thinking he might not play again this season. Um, now he's put up, and I never know what to make of this, but he's put up really strong passer ratings the last three games. Yesterday it was legitimate. Like I, I feel yeah. like sometimes with him the passer rating is not legitimate, but yesterday it was. And now you're sort of in this weird place again, which, which look, when, you, when the sugar high wears off, okay, <laughs> it, all right, because it's going to. When the sugar high wears off and you're, let's say you miss the playoffs at nine and seven, which is possible. Okay. Let's say you missed the playoffs at nine and seven. And then you've gone through a situation where Tannehill's played pretty well at the end. And this team finishes eight and eight or nine and seven. And so Gase is off the hot seat, maybe even Tannenbaum's off the hot seat, although I'm not sure that that changes a lot, but I feel like dolphin fans may come to regret this a little bit like heat fans regretted 30 and 11, which is like, all right, that was fun. And we were embarrassing ourselves, and now we're not. And some players that we were mad at performed well. And now we're going to keep some of those players and keep some of those coaches and keep some of those executives. In the Heat's case, they were always going to keep the coach and the executive, but I think you get my point. And now we're screwed because we decided not to 
change because we finished the season strong. And the parallel that I would draw here a little bit is 2005 for the Dolphins, Chris, because you mentioned that season. They started three and seven under Saban. They won their last six. They won their last six. Now, Saban decided Gus Farratt was not good enough, all right, which is fine. He probably wasn't, but he had a good season. And we know the whole Culpepper Breeze saga, right? But he also chose not to make a lot of changes to that team because they won their last six games. And so he brought a lot of guys back, okay? And I feel like that's dangerous for any team at times to not make changes because you finish a season strong. I mean, the ultimate example and you had to bring them back, was the 2005-2006 Heat, a team that was a mess for the first half of the season and won a championship because Dwayne Wade went supernova, and then the next year they all hated each other just as I expected they would do the year before. Um, So this kind of stuff happens in sports a lot, and it doesn't tend to end well. So let's start with Tannehill. Let's get to some of the other players. Has he done enough, in your opinion, to bring him back as a bridge quarterback? Because I'm not even going to entertain the idea that they don't bring in competition this offseason, okay? Because they can't be that stupid again, okay? But would you would you have him as a bridge quarterback, and at what price? Yeah, I, I think you'd be, I think you'd basically just leave the contract untouched. Now, I don't know if he'd hold out over that. He's probably going to ask for an extension after the way that he's played in his last three games, which, by the way, uh, Adam Beasley has, uh, has tabulated. And You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. In those last three games since returning from injury, he's eight touchdowns, one interception, 69 completion percentage for 606 yards and a quarterback rating of 130. So he's played pretty well, and yesterday uh, made some amazing throws. I would say he had one throw to Kenny Stills that was like a 40-yarder that he dropped over a safety that was just, I mean, I I saw it in person, and you see him really unable to really get his full strength behind throws. He was definitely unable to do that after the ankle injury, and yet threw like a really nice out pattern. I forget to who, it might have been, I just assume it was to Kenny Stills because he had eight of the 14 completions yesterday. But uh, it's one of those things that, he played really well yesterday. He showed you the evidence of why the Dolphins haven't given up on him after seven years, and he's 30 years old, and you're still playing, and Dolphin fans still go, well, maybe if it was just more consistent. Well, the problem is that a lack of consistency is you not being good. Good is not, can you be good in one game? Good is, can you sustain that level of play on a consistent basis and can you sustain that level of play over 16 games or every week not that you're Patrick Mahomes but that in most weeks you are a top level quarterback Ryan Tannehill can be in a week but he can't be every week and so I think I'm to me what I would do is I would bring him back at exactly the same contract at exactly the same price with the restructure that you did in the offseason and draft a quarterback in the second or third round because I, I, I and I, I by the way I might have said that even before yesterday I've kind of been hesitating because I feel like Dolphins fans so uh, so little want to hear that but I think given the options that are available Uh, Given the shortage of first-round quarterbacks that appear obvious uh, that are going to be available, I think that might have been the strategy anyway. And at the very least, Tannehill makes it a bit more palatable. Will it still feel like Groundhog Day? Absolutely. Like I, I do think that you go into another season saying, well, if Ryan Tannehill is just going to be healthy, and we're going to point to a a record of uh, of the Dolphins 
under Tannehill and Gase, and we're going to try and sell optimism that way. But we all know that Tannehill is not good enough. I, I do think that given the shortage of options, this might have been the, the, the outcome anyway. I want to tell you about another great event we're having for the Five Reasons Sports Network. And to me, this is our coolest event yet because this is the one that you can involve your kids in. You're not just watching the game. You're also watching them play. It's going to be at Gecko Parks in Weston. That's 3305 Corporate Avenue in Weston. This is a brand new facility. I've been there a bunch of times. My daughter loves to go. I feel like she's at a birthday party there every week because when parents come and see the place, they're like, yeah, this is the place we're going to have a birthday party. They've got trampolines. They've got dodgeball. They've got basketball. They've got games. They've got ropes course. They've got virtual reality now too. They've got great pizza and wings. And also they have rock climbing. And here's the deal. If you show up anytime between 12 and four, this is on Sunday, the 16th, this upcoming Sunday, show up and say five reasons, buy a day pass and you will get free rock climbing against your child. This is a $20 value. You can challenge your child, do whatever you want to do. It's going to be a great time. So we'll have all the games on Sunday ticket, Dolphins, Vikings, Gecko Parks in Weston. I'm Okay, part of me agrees with you on all this um, because it is difficult to go get another quarterback. And we, we know, obviously, that you know it's not a great free agent market. We're basically talking about Teddy Bridgewater, who I like. But the thing is, you know, I feel like Dolphin fans are hung up on Teddy Bridgewater for a couple reasons. One, because he probably should have been the UM quarterback. And so I, yeah. I, I feel like there's this sort of regret that they never got to see him. He's local. He never should have left to end up at Louisville. Like, so I feel like that plays into it. And I also think, uh, you know, obviously there's, there's just Tannehill fatigue uh, with him, with this. And Bridgewater has a personality. Like there's a lot of reasons to like him except his numbers. Like, yeah. <laughs> like if, if you really look at what he did in Minnesota, I mean, he was like the ultimate caretaker quarterback. Like, you know, I would have to break down, you know, length of throw and all that stuff, but just in terms of yards per attempt, in terms of touchdown ratio, I mean, he's not a big play NFL guy. Like yeah. people think of him as a big play guy. Cause he's a big play guy in college. So I- I'm not against it. At all, it is the name that I've thrown out there. Our guys have thrown out there because it just makes the most sense. I mean, if Breeze is going to play another two to three years, why is Bridgewater going to stay there? I mean, Bridgewater was basically Breeze protection for this season. So uh, Bridgewater could start somewhere. I, I just think we've, we've gotten a little carried away with it. But here's the thing about Tannehill. So I'm looking at the – let's just look at the numbers specifically. Um, you know, if you just match up this year to 2016, which we were talking about – you know, what a, a solid season that was for him. He's thrown now exactly half the passes as 2016. Okay. He's played eight games. He played 13 games that year. He's played, he's thrown a hundred, uh, excuse me. Yeah. He actually, yeah, about half because 197 and that year he threw 389. Okay. So basically half he's completed the exact same percentage, uh, 67. He's actually thrown a bunch more touchdowns this year. He's thrown 16 this year in the eight games. And that year he threw 19 in the 13 games. So, this year, if, if you project this out over, over 13 games, it would be 26 touchdowns. So that would be a rise in seven touchdowns over those games while he's actually kept his interception percentage the same. So his touchdown percentage is up to 8.1 from 4.9, and his interception re- re- ratio is the same. His yards per attempt are up to a career high at 8.0 from 7.7. Um, what's down is his yards per game. Okay, so... Basically, what's happened this year is he's just thrown less. Yeah, he only threw 19 times yesterday. Yeah. Right. So he's thrown less per game, which our buddy Chris Perkins always talked about that being sort of the desired outcome. Um, But he's actually thrown for a much higher touchdown rate 
for a higher yards per attempt rate. Those to me are the two most important statistics. The, the reason I look at those the most, as opposed to the other two in passer rating completion percentage is kind of accounted for in yards per attempt. Okay. And so the completion percentage, like him completing one of those flat screens, I'm not impressed. Okay. Like that's, so I don't really take, and it's kind of double counted in that formula. So I don't really look at that and interceptions. I've always been one to downplay that because yes, um, you don't want to turn the ball over, but so many of the interceptions are luck. Okay. I mean, 30% of them are 30 to 30 to 50% are receiver runs wrong route. Okay. Or ball is tipped or something like that, or great play is made. Like, there's a very small number of interceptions that are actually like on the quarterback. Like it's, mm-hmm. this is the quarterback making a bad throw to the wrong spot to the wrong person. Okay. Right. Like yesterday, it, like last week when uh, Xavier Howard caught an interception off Josh Allen, where it looked like Josh Allen was trying to throw him a slant. Right. Like it That's actually, a, like right. where, where you look at that and go, Oh, that was just a quarterback being awful. in that play. <laughs> the two Darnold interceptions that, yes. uh, again, in, against the dolphins. Okay. We're like where he threw it. I mean, threw one to Robert Baker. Right. Okay. There was uh Jerome a, Baker draw. I'm excuse me, Robert. God, did I do that? You know, leave that in the pod because I, I want to give credit to Robert Baker because he became a, he became a rapper after his his brief NFL career, uh, which was one catch. But uh, yeah, he threw it. He threw an interception to Jerome Baker. OK, so that, that was a bad interception. So I never look into that too much. So I'm looking at again, I'm looking at touchdown percentage because. If you're throwing touchdowns, you're putting your team in position to score because it's easier to throw touchdowns from closer in than it is from further out. And so obviously you're doing something right and yards per attempt. And those numbers are up. And so that's the reason that the passer rating is at 105.7, which is by far the best of his career. Now, what's odd about it, Chris, is that Pro Football Focus put out something last week, which has Tannehill playing the worst he's ever played in his career. By far, it's not even close. It's like half of previous seasons in terms of the way they've rated him. And I'm assuming because they they don't look at the numbers. They bre- they're not an analytics firm. They actually break down the film, yeah, or the t- whatever we they call get, it. These they days. give they give. So basically, the way that they used to do it, they've kind of changed the way that they present it. But I imagine the the, the idea is still the same. Is basically on every play. Uh, you start at a zero, and if you make a great play, they give you plus two, and if you make an awful play, they give you a minus two, and and that's basically how, and and so they just basically tabulate at the end how many you know uh, plus twos, plus ones, zeros, minus ones, and minus twos you have, and then that's how they used to put out their grades. I imagine it's roughly stayed the same, but that, they're not presented on a zero to one hundred scale to kind of make it more understandable than, than than it used to be. But yeah, like his quarterback rating right now is actually sixth best in the league, uh, which you know ahead of guys like. Uh, Jared Goff, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck, Tom Brady, like his quarterback ratings as good as they've ever been. But again, that's why I have to watch the games. Like you can't just do it based off a of quarterback rating. I'd say yesterday was was probably the first time that I left the Dolphins game, maybe since like week one against the Titans, where I left and I'm like, oh yeah, Ryan Tannehill played really well yesterday. Like 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 actually made game-changing plays, game-changing throws, took some risks and converted on them and were it was in a shootout in a game in which they had to be and looked like he was going to be able to go toe-to-toe with Tom Brady. Like, I would say yesterday might have been his first really good performance of the year, which is amazing when you consider the initial injury that he had. And then he picked up another injury within the game and clearly was playing on a bum ankle because he was limped to the sidelines two and three times in that second half. 
he was incredible yesterday, and that's the best we've seen out of Ryan Tannehill, I would say, by some distance. Again, you can throw his quarterback ratings in some of these games at me. You have to watch the games because I would say Adam Gates' greatest skill with quarterbacks is making their quarterback ratings look good because they didn't have to make any throws over the course of a game. And so yesterday, Ryan Tannehill to make some throws took some chances on some difficult ones and made them and converted on them and created big plays. So I would say Tannehill's probably most convincing performance of the season was yesterday by a lot. Can you, you as look, I'm a big numbers guy. I like looking at that stuff, but you have to watch the games too, because otherwise you're going to be led to believe that Brian Tannehill is a top six quarterback in the league. And he just isn't, he just isn't. No, he's not. But I think what PFF is looking at, uh, maybe pocket presence stuff. It might be I, no, throwing, I, I think to, to, throwing to the wrong receiver, maybe, or checking down when he shouldn't check down. I'm just trying to figure out how, because look, you can draw a conclusion that he hasn't been great. And you and I have both talked about that. And we talked about that when they were three and oh, and like you said, I think this was really his first great or close to great performance of the season. Um, but I think to have the rating as low as pro football focus has had it, there's gotta be something he's doing consistently wrong. Right. You, I, don't, I, mean, I don't know. You, see, I, you know what? I, I don't think it's him doing something consistently wrong. I think it's him consistently doing nothing right. Where literally you can have any quarterback make those throws. And so, they have to give positive ratings in order for that number to go up. They have to rate plays positively and, a, a seventy-four, a seventy-yard pass where all you do is shovel the ball to Albert Wilson, who's running across the formation. That's a zero from Ryan Tannehill. He gets no credit for that. That's all Albert Wilson, and so, and that number drastically inflates his quarterback rating. So I think some of the the, the throws that he's made that have most inflated his stats are not credited to Ryan Tannehill and that and, and that uh, pro football focus is about assigning credit right assigning credit to who made the play and I think so infrequently you can really not assign credit or you, you can so infrequently give the credit to Ryan Tannehill for why offensive plays have worked it's been him making throws to skill guys I mean how often have you said well that oh that was a really impressive throw like he made three or four yesterday but before that like obviously there were a couple I, I, throws to stills early in the sure, season sure. uh there was the, the the touch i can't remember which game but it was at home the touchdown i think it was, I think it was the raiders game i think it was the Raiders. it was a beautiful throw yeah. um there, there have been he even the um I'm trying to think that since he's come back he had the one uh the, the one touchdown. parker the 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 throw, the throw to parker, parker as he's getting hit in, in the middle yes. of four guys was a really impressive throw they have a stat i believe called big time throws i don't subscribe to pff i probably should but uh they they, they keep track of what they call big time throws which are in the tight windows and in big moments in the game for long distances and like ryan Tannehill was always towards the bottom but he's made a few of those in in, in the last couple of weeks so i'd be curious to see how they've rated them but yeah like he, he just hasn't made enough of those to really impress the pro football focus people which i think is fair because again watch the games don't don't just rely yeah, on the stats the uh, so three games left and to close this section um you know the way i look at him right now is follow it up right like that's mm-hmm. and and, and, don't I, and go, I do don't go on the road and have 130 yards and have right. uh, five drives where you go three and out right so so follow it up show something i think that would at least make fans feel more comfortable about it but i think a lot of this does have to do with options i think if you go into the offseason and and something emerges that's maybe better than Bridgewater. And I'm still fine with Bridgewater as a bridge quarterback because I don't think either Ted, Teddy Bridgewater or Ryan Tannehill is the long-term answer. So to me, it's who do you get cheaper, okay? Uh, you know, and well, does I know Gase did the research on Bridgewater. I know he likes him. Um, again, our three-yards guys have talked about that. If you think you can acclimate him to the system and get him to a level where Tannehill's at for a cheaper price, then maybe. The problem is there aren't a lot of quarterbacks on the market. I don't know that there's going to be a cheaper price option that makes a ton of sense 
either way, they need competition this year. I would try to get Tannehill to t- take the pay cut. It's going to be harder if he's got 105 passer rating uh, to do that. Uh, I would attempt to do that uh, rather than you know what he's going to earn and what the 18.5 next season. It's not an exorbitant salary for a quarterback, but obviously you'd like to try to what take it, it down. What, what if it's just the same? What if it's just you make 18 million, right? I mean, well, I guess, I, well, I guess the, the, the cap hit is 26. Oof, the cap hit is 26. It's significant, but the, the cap, see, the cap is not their problem, really, right? The cap, because they can clear out so much money this off mm-hmm. season the cap's not really their issue their issue is not the cap it's the competition it's sure. it's having protection at the position it's having someone to push Tannehill. do you think that his performance yesterday has anything to and again i give him great credit for toughness that's something you never argue about whether it's the shoulder the knee now the ankle he's incredibly tough but do you think any of this is that he's being pushed now not by another player because brock osweiler cannot push him but by the clock he's being pushed by the clock okay the clock is his tenure is almost over here if he doesn't do something significant now he takes them to the playoffs they're probably not going to replace him if they ended up seven and nine the likelihood is, I think, knowing them, maybe not, but the likelihood is that they would be replacing him. And so I do think that puts a time element into this for him where you have to play at a certain level. And I do think that affected his decision to come back because, yeah, again, the shoulder's, not, the, shoulder, the shoulder's not right. The shoulder's not right. So let's move on and, to the next and, part and, of this. Yeah, and yesterday, the ankle was not right, and he's out there anyway because he must feel if I leave the game and we lose – and we go six and ten, seven and nine. I'm out. I'm out. So what? What use is there me in you know sitting back here in the locker room moping about my ankle? Shoot me up and, and get me back out there. Like as grim as that is about football, like that's how those guys think. Like we just know that at this point, that's how those guys think. So I, I I think that played a huge role in him getting back out there yesterday, no doubt. All right, so let's decide whether or not they can make the playoffs here in our last section and. Some good things happened for the Dolphins yesterday. Um, the biggest of which was Denver losing because, uh, you know, yep. when I when I went through the, the five things that you needed to happen yesterday for the Dolphins, I put this on on Dolphin Maven and, and kind of what would help them in addition to the most, you know, unlikely outcome, which was beating the Patriots. Uh, you know, what actually, you know, could they could they pull off? What did they need other teams to do? The biggest thing that to me was unlikely of all of the options was Denver losing to San Francisco. And that's what happened. I was shocked yesterday when I got a notification. I was, I I worked yesterday after the game. And so I wasn't keeping track of the four o'clock games. And when I got out, I checked all all my notifications that I had and I saw Niners, 20 Broncos, nothing. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? What happened? And uh, yeah, San Francisco really helped you out yesterday. Yeah, they did. And after Jacksonville helped you out with Indianapolis the week before. So, I mean, the results that you needed, you know, yesterday were Texans to beat the Colts. Didn't happen. Uh, you needed the Chiefs to beat the Ravens, which they just that about did. did. <laughs> just that, did. That, yeah, I just, mean, I, I saw I saw some people were. I, I didn't get a chance to watch the game because I was at the Dolphins game. But um, the the Chiefs yesterday appear to now have a Kareem Hunt problem, where without Kareem Hunt, it's just not the same team. And the Ravens' defense is good, and Lamar Jackson's doing enough. Like he's now started uh, four games in a row, and he has seventy yards rushing in all of them. So he he's just got 
enough on, on the ground, and he's changed their season. You talk about uh, there being a shortage of options. People might have thought that Lamar Jackson was not a first-round option last year, and just with his legs alone has kept their the, the Ravens' season alive. And you look at three wins in a row and going to overtime with the Chiefs, like they're still, for me, the favorites to get. I, I You know what? It's between them and the Colts. Like I think the Dolphins having a road game against uh, against Minnesota I think might just about do them in. I don't know if 9-7 is going to be good enough. From a schedule standpoint, the Dolphins probably have the best-looking schedule schedule uh, because you have home with the Jags and at the Bills to close the season you have uh, two of the bottom four teams in the AFC and I, I don't think anyone else has a schedule that's that bad no other than Denver but they lost yesterday th- they lost yesterday and that's why I have the four things that needed to happen the third was the Niners to beat the Broncos I didn't anticipate that but I did say maybe there's a bad case, case Keenum game out there somewhere and I think you got it and then the fourth thing was the Raiders over the Steelers which was also unlikely but this matters now that it happened because you mentioned the Ravens, you know, being in the position that they're in now. I mean, the Ravens can win that division. Um, yep. And, you know, it, it, I mean, they're at seven and six. The Steelers are seven, five and one. The Steelers schedule is brutal. And I think I know you mentioned the Colts and the Ravens, you think being the most likely. But we may have to put the Ravens in as a potential division winner, which yep. means we're really talking about the Colts and the Steelers and the Steelers schedule. You went through it, Chris. It's, it's challenging. Yeah. Their, their next two games are home with the Patriots and at the saints. And we know uh, the Patriots absolutely dominate Pittsburgh. And no matter the setting, no matter where the game is played, the the Patriots always seem to beat the Steelers. And then at the Saints, I mean, that's as difficult a game as you're going to have. And that's a 425 game on national TV. And then and then they close home with the Bengals, which seems like the most gimme game in the NFL at the moment. But yeah, they could be 7-7-1 seven, seven, going into that final weekend. And that's just not going to be enough. It's just like, you're going to need nine wins. 8-7-1 might not be enough. So I think the Steelers... Are, are very quickly falling into quicksand. If it's seven, six, and one next week, and the Dolphins, even if the Dolphins lose, you're right there. Uh, so the Steelers are, are are very quickly in that morass of teams. Uh, right now, it's five with the uh, the Steelers, the Ravens, the Colts, the Dolphins, and the Titans. So let's quickly go over their schedules and let's kind of just sort of look at it. So would you say the Steelers lose their next two? I mean, it would, I would, it would, think it, so. it would be a five game losing streak for them if they lost their next two. Which is what's weird about the Mike Tomlin era, if you look at it, is that they have these runs one way or another. Um, yeah. And he keeps he keeps the bad runs a little bit shorter, but it's like they, they typically have. So they had one really good run this year and now it's kind of fallen apart a little bit. I didn't think they played poorly in the previous two games. Uh, but, you know, again, to lose the Raiders is, is a bad, bad loss um, at this stage. And, and, and by the way, they're going to probably be without James Conner again next week, who was kind of mm-hmm. keeping them afloat at running back. They've got nothing at running back. Right. I mean, well, when they were playing their backup all year and and, yeah. and he and also I saw a stat yesterday that they relied on Connor, I think, second most in terms of touches of any back in the league uh, yeah. this year. So. So, yeah, they they need him and they don't have him. And they're also a little bit beat up defensively right now. So I, I do think um, the Steelers, I, the Steelers are not going to win that division. I don't believe um, the Ravens typically finish strong. Like you said, they were competitive yesterday. He's playing well. I, you know, another quarterback option we're going to have to talk to on a, talk about on a future pod is Flacco because clearly he's not going to be there next season. I mean, I, I would think if Lamar Jackson finishes this thing out, uh, you know, with you know the way he's been playing and shows some growth as a passer, they've got to turn it over to him. But yeah, I, I think the Steelers. What's their last one? They have uh, home uh, with the Bengals, and the Bengals have been awful lately, Horrendous. giving up a ton of points. I, you know, so I mean, let's just project it out. Let's say they go one and two. Yeah, so the that would be the so, they, so they would eight, be seven eight, and one. eight seven and one. Uh, the Colts 
uh, are seven and six. They beat the Texans yesterday. Huge win for them. They're home with the Cowboys, who are all of a sudden on a roll. Uh, they're home with the Giants, and they're at the Titans. That's like, in terms of a group of games, as kind of unpredictable as it gets, because the Giants are actually playing well right now. Yeah, uh, Saquon are. Barkley looks like a generational running back. Uh, the Cowboys are playing really well, and the Titans are off a big win on Thursday night. That game could be for everything on the final day of the season. So I, I, I kind of— I'm I saying one and two. Uh, I'm saying okay. one and two. All right. Yeah, um, I have, I, I'm, I have an 8-8. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say 2-1. and one. I, think they, I think they lose they lose to the Cowboys and beat the Giants and the Titans. I would say 9-7 and seven for them is, is how I would see it. Um, so uh, for Baltimore, uh, they are home with Tampa next week, which, again, if you're a good team, that's a game you should win. Uh, then they're at the Chargers. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if the Ravens the, the Ravens fans probably have to start booking their flights now for Los Angeles. <laughs> that is actually a Saturday night game. That is mm-hmm. a uh, that that when, when they they start introducing these games towards the end of the year. So a Saturday night eight twenty game against uh, the Chargers, and then they're home with the Browns. Who that's not a gimme win anymore. The, the 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 Browns are playing well. They beat the Panthers yesterday. Uh, Baker Mayfield is playing well. Um, I, I I don't think that's a guaranteed victory. Still though, if you're the Ravens, you have to be thinking about two and one in order in order yep. to close that season. But again, they're not. They're not losing to the Ravens. Don't lose to the Browns. They're they're not losing right. to the Browns um, at home yeah. with a chance to clinch the division. It's not happening. I, even if Mayfield's playing well, I got him at nine and seven. So that means they would be the division winner, and the Steelers would be competing for a would wild be, card. Would be spot. eight, seven, and one. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and then so the Bucks uh, they lost at home to the Saints yesterday despite leading. But uh, but again, it, uh, we don't really see any unbeatable stretches left. Uh, the best chance might actually be for the Titans, uh, as unpredictable as that would be. They're at the Giants. Home with Washington, who are terrible. That's also a Saturday afternoon game, uh, and then they're home with the Colts. So, I don't know, man. See, it, I, see, it, I, see, see, I'm with you. I think the winner of that Titans Colts game is going to get a spot. Yeah, I, I, I think right. So, I because I, I think the winner of that again it depends a little on tiebreakers, obviously, but mm-hmm. I think I think the winner of that Titans Colts game is going to be a nine and seven team. And so, I, I th- there will be one to me. The loser of that game is out. No, no, so, but no. But here's the thing, though. So from a Dolphins point of view, they're at the Vikings. Uh, I think we can go in and call that a loss. Uh, and then they're home mm-hmm. with the Jags. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll see tonight. I'll, I'll watch the Monday Night Football game with interest tonight. But, I mean, a road game for the Dolphins, even in a dome, like for a game that the Vikings will have to have because they're in a playoff race too. I think they're eight-point underdogs already. Uh, right now they'd be favored to lose. Um, so, And then you're home with the Jags and at the Bills. Now, we can talk about whether or not you can really put any wins in the bank, even against teams as bad, in the, as, bad as the Jags and the Bills are. But... If you get to nine and seven, and it comes down to that final game, you become a big Titans fan, right? Because if the yeah. Titans win that final game, then you get in on the tiebreaker. Because you have the tiebreaker in the right. culture. Like the game, like the Dolphins' chance to make the uh, making the playoffs might come down to whether it's the Titans that win or the Colts that win. It's very possible. Uh, the other thing to take into consideration is winning against the Patriots might bring a player or two back this year. Like I, the sure. three yards per. Perry guys were talking about Xavier Howard, like he might just be shut down for the season because why bother, right? Because right. they were assuming a Patriots loss. I would think now there'll be more of a premium on get. I don't know how bad the injury is. The Dolphins don't tell the truth about injuries. We've been through this now four times this year. Devontae Parker, Ryan Tannehill consistently. Cameron Wake had a surgery. We think that they didn't disclose that then he, you know, there was a whole back and forth about that. And Xavier Howard reportedly, according to Ian Rappaport, had a surgery that the Dolphins have not admitted. They, they've talked about it in-house. So I don't know how bad the injury is, but I would think that there'd be more of a push for him to get back at this stage. We saw Amendola play. I mean, this is a tough team. I will yeah. say that. This is a tough team. They've lost a lot of guys. 
but they are tough. But I, look, I guess the safe thing to do is project the Dolphins at nine and seven. That's the most likely outcome, I it might, think. And it and might it, be enough when we, we, we've gone through the schedules. I don't think there's a team. But what about the Broncos last three? Uh, what about the Broncos? So, yeah, so the Broncos would get to nine and seven if they beat. Uh, they are home with the Browns at the Raiders and home with the Chargers, uh, who might have just about locked. Well, I guess it's they might need that game right, for the division. Right, exactly. That's that's fascinating, isn't it? They might need that game to get to the one seed uh, because if they win on Thursday in Kansas City, which I, I didn't think they had a chance to win in Pittsburgh, so I'm not going to underrate the Chargers now. But uh, but the Chargers at I think the Dolphins have to kind of be rooting for the Chargers uh, to win on Thursday, so they have something to play for because the Chargers uh, last three games on their schedule almost all impact uh, the, the 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 Dolphins' hopes. They're at the Chiefs and they're home with the Ravens and at the Broncos. So the Chargers might have, you know, might have a huge deciding role in who gets in uh, besides themselves. So, yeah, I think I think Denver now, again, you can't lock them in for two wins in their next two games because they lost, you know, (laughs) they lost in San Francisco today. But uh, but Denver still has a chance even uh, losing today uh, with the Browns and the Raiders coming up to 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 climb back in to climb back into it. And I think that's the thing we should as we close that we should sort of touch on for all these teams. None of these teams are that good. They're all flawed. Mm -hmm. So. All of them can lose a game like the Broncos lost yesterday, right? All of them can lose a game like the Colts lost against Jacksonville where they go scoreless. Like, how do you explain the Colts playing so much better against a better team? Yeah, I've seen that one nine in a row before yesterday, yeah. Right, so so look, I, I don't think we can chalk up anything. I'm just saying that if you look at most likely outcomes, you would say the Dolphins nine and seven, and I think you may be right about this. I think ultimately... It comes down to, you know, because the Chiefs or Chargers is getting that five spot, whoever does not win the division. That six spot may come down to who wins uh, that Titans-Colts game. And if it's the Titans, then the Dolphins may get that spot. And if it's the Colts, the Colts might get that spot. And we'll all be talking about, you know, deciding, you know, what Adam Gase decided at his goal line, you know, against the Colts. <laughs> in that game. Instead, of, instead of putting the ball in, in the hands of his all-pro quarterback with 105 <laughs> passer rating. That looks even worse now. All right, we'll be talking to you more as the week continues. We're going to do a Heat episode. The Heat, as we speak now, they're going to be in Los Angeles. Last game between Dwayne Wade and LeBron James, um, until the finals at least. So uh, we'll, be, we'll, be, <laughs> we'll be talking about that on Tuesday. Uh, as the Heat, as, as they stand now, about a game out of a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference, they're also um, in the eighth lottery position if you're, if you're following That's it. That's hilarious. That- so they, just, they, just like if they make the playoffs, they draft 15th. If they, if they don't make the playoffs, they might draft 7th. <laughs> right, right. So we'll see how that goes. And Hassan Whiteside is still tending to his child, and I don't know that there's a big rush to get him back. Anyway, we'll talk to you later in the week. Thank you for listening to the Fire in the Podcast. Thank you so much. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.